Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry present Journeys in Faith. Now, here's Andy Santis. Hi, welcome to Journeys in Faith. My name is Andy Santis. I'm so grateful that you're with us for this hour. And this is my first episode on Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. So once again, welcome and thank you for joining me on this journey in faith. So I have awesome guests with me this evening. I have Mercedarian Friars, Father Matthew Phelan, Father Kenneth Breen, and Father Daniel Bowen. So we have a lot to learn from them. Right now we're going through this pandemic and we're all on a journey in faith, maybe even in a greater way than we realize right now. So I want to welcome Father Matthew, Father Ken, and Father Daniel. Thank you for joining me. Glad to be here. Very Thank happy. You. Thank you. And here. a shout out to, to those who are producing this TV show. That is Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. And they have a special opportunity, which we'll talk about throughout this show, called Patreon Patchwork Heart Ministry. I would invite you to check out uh, online pa patreon.com slash patchwork heart ministry to learn about discovering your mission discovering our mission is so important right now and in this world at the current time as we're all searching for greater faith so if you go to patreon.com slash patchwork heart ministry you can learn about a special opportunity which will really help you to grow in your faith so once again, I want to thank so much Father Matthew, Father Ken, and Father Daniel for being here. And I was thinking that we could start out with a little bit of a history about the Mercedarian religious order for those who don't know really anything about it. So maybe Father Daniel, you could start us out by telling us a little bit about the Mercedarians. Well, sure, I'd be happy to do so. Yeah, a lot of people aren't aware of our order, but our order is actually over 800 years old. So it goes back a ways. Um, so just to kind of give a little, just a little snapshot, uh, we want to go to the area of Spain. Um, in the, uh, we'll say, late 12th century, early 13th century. At that time, there's a great um, dispute sort of between the world of Christianity and the world of, of Islam. And so there's a lot of fighting going back and forth, either which way, you know, uh, and in the midst of this situation often, uh, besides the casualties of war, uh, many times people would be actually taken captive and held for ransom in order to raise funds uh, to, to get uh, monies and to continue the war machine alive. So this was a very present reality at the time of when our founder uh, was born and lived. Uh, so our founder is uh, St. Peter Nolasco. Uh, he was born around the year 1180, and it's believed that he was born in southern France, um, uh, and that he was born of a, of a uh, noble class uh, family and got into the work of being a merchant. So he spoke several languages, was able to work the trade routes in the Mediterranean at that time. Uh, at some point, his parents passed, and he inherited their uh, their wealth. And what uh, Peter saw in his midst again was again in the midst of this conquest between the two different world 
two different religions, two different outlooks. Um, he would see these slave ships, uh, particularly of the captive Christians, that were being brought in by the, the Muslim oppressors, and they'd be bought and sold like a commodity. And, and again, we're talking in chains, they're the, the being beat, whipped, not obviously their human dignity being respected in any way, shape, or form. And so this really, um, really upset him, as it should anybody, any person, you know. So he tried to do what he could do in a sense of wanting to, you know, what can I do about this situation? You know, when anytime we see some kind of an injustice in our midst, you know, we can go one of two ways, right? We can, we can either uh, recognize it as it is what it is and then try to work towards doing something about it, either, you know, calling it out and looking to change things, or we could, you know, bury our head in the sand or turn away, you know? But for, for you know, Christians that are believers and that understand the importance that all human beings made in the image of God are to be protected and respected, we really don't have that second option of turning away. So Peter decided to make a pilgrimage to Montserrat. Montserrat is sort of, I guess we could say comparable. Uh, it's a Benedictine monastery up in uh, northwestern Spain. And uh, it, it probably existed by the time of his birth for a few hundred years. And it sort of would be equivalent to what we would think of in Mexico, the shrine of Guadalupe, where the image of the Blessed Mother is. People go there on pilgrimage to be enlightened, to be inspired. Uh, this is what people would do by going to Montserrat. And Montserrat is, of course, on that way of the Compostela that many people will take to journey, uh, ending in Valencia. But any which case, so he went there to go and pray about the situation. And uh, so then at that point, uh, in a moment of prayer in the evening of August 1st into the morning of August 2nd, praying there at Montserrat, uh, the Blessed Virgin Mary appeared to him. Uh, now, we, we know Our Lady tends to do this for people. We can think of Bernadette for Our Lady of Lourdes. We can think of the three shepherd children of Our Lady of Fatima. Uh, it's very much in her, her, her purview to, to come and reach out to humanity in such a way. And so she came to him and said, you know, my son has heard your prayers, in essence, and, and sent me to you in order to uh, encourage and inspire and support you in beginning a new religious order that will look to set the captives free, to keep these Christians from possibly losing their faith or surrendering it uh, or being treated in this less than human way. So after this experience that he had at Montserrat, he traveled back to Barcelona and he discussed what he had experienced uh, both with the Bishop of Barcelona Bishop Paolo de Berengue de Paolo, and then also uh, brought this up to the king, James I of Aragon, and they both said, we believe you, absolutely. So on August 10th, again, this vision was August 1st, August 2nd, August 10th of 1218, uh, uh, Peter Nolasco and a couple others of good friends of his that, you know, that he had you know, shared his heart with on this, uh, went to the Cathedral of Barcelona, La Cruz, and there, before the bishop and the king, was started the Order of the Blessed Virgin Mary of Mercy for the Redemption of Captives. And the work, again, would be to gather alms, to go to these uh, captors, to buy the Christian slaves, 
and then return them to their family, set them free. Now, we weren't the only order doing this kind of work. There were other groups doing this. What was unique about our order, besides just Peter's great gift of being able to negotiate and, and organize these ransom missions, was its particular Marian charism, its real uh, focus on Mary, the Blessed Mother, the Mother of Jesus, and really accounting upon her intercession to help in this work. But the, Peter also insisted upon that uh, those that would be joining this community would also be not only taking a religious vow of poverty, chastity, and obedience, but a fourth vow or a vow that we call a redemptive vow or a blood vow. And this vow would be to be able to do in a sense of what Christ does for all of us, to be willing to lay down our life for our brothers and sisters in Christ, in our life for our friends. And it would come about in this situation. For instance, let's say a redemptive uh, uh, event was planned. They arrived with $50, or I'm just using a sense, for 50 slaves. And in the time of your two-week journey to Tunis or Algiers or wherever you're going, now they have 60 captives. Which town are you going to leave behind? Whose uncle? Whose son? Who are you going to leave behind in this situation? The answer is none of them. Here's the $50 for the 50 slaves, plus I, Father Daniel, will use myself as collateral and exchange and, and take up a, a hostage situation, take the place of these 10 slaves, and Father Ken will come back in a month with $30 to free me. So we've got the situation where we're willing to literally use ourselves uh, as the ransom to be paid for the captives so that they could have their freedom. And that's a vow that we order, it continues to take down to our present day. So this work of redeeming captives, setting them free, assisting them, helping them, gathering the alms, um, it was work that was uh, very much a, a part of our order, obviously through those years. Um, then, of course, the New World came to be discovered by Christopher Columbus in 1493. And in that moment, Mercedarian friars journeyed with Christopher Columbus into the New World. Mm -hmm. And again, our order always being very close to Spain and the Spanish realm, um, we were some of the first ones to go there. Um, and again, our work there, obviously there is not Islam in the New World, but we were there to make sure the conquistadores did things properly. Are they treating these native people with due respect? You know, to teach them the faith, right? That it'd be an invitation to know our Lord and to not be abused. So that's very much the work that we did in the new world. And we were very, did very well in that. And so many of these countries in the new world, Peru, Dominican Republic, these are places that we've been at for hundreds of years. And so really, you kind of had the height of Mercedarianism, maybe in the 1600s, somewhere in that, where we had literally thousands of Mercedarian friars. We had our contemplative nuns and sisters that would pray for their redemptive missions and lay faithful involved in these different works. Yes, the redeeming of the captive slaves, but also in educating, you know, in, in catechizing in the faith, making sure human dignity is protected and respected. Well, then along came the French Revolution, the Enlightenment, right? The kind of the movement of secular humanism pushing against the faith in the church. And of course, the church overall, in many ways, 
uh, you know, uh, there was a great adjustment to be made. Let's say that to be kind, I guess, mm-hmm. right? Obviously, uh, many religious were put to death, you know, we had the Reformation, these different situations. So the Mercedarians suffered greatly in the hands of that. And then, of course, even with uh, our alignment with being with Spain, you know, when Spain was kind of the kind of the big player in the world, we were we were kind of up there with them. But when that kind of diminishment occurred, again, our being closely allied with the king and the royal house, our diminishment also is there. So much so to the point that in the 1800s, literally, we were maybe a couple hundred friars. That was it. So a huge decrease to the point we weren't even sure if it could we could do it. Again, with these revolutions, we weren't able to even meet to have our chapters to elect generals. So Rome would have to assist in this. And uh, until we actually had a very, uh, uh, very beautiful uh, uh, friar that was uh, elected master general from Chile, uh, Valenzuela, who would go on and help you reform and kind of bring us back to life in a sense. And uh, so we were able to reestablish houses and keep going forward and uh, make the movement. Now, our order is, again, mostly known because, again, being in the Spanish-speaking world, that's who knows us. You know, if you know someone whose name is Mercedes, right, it's really kind of a, a name that's based on Merced, which is that root word of mercy, right? Uh, more of a proper chance would probably be ransom, but mercy will work. Um, now, our friars had never really been in the United States in any significant way until the 20th century. And it was all by God's divine providence that this was this occurred. Uh, two of our friars from our Italian province, Father Alfredo Scotti and Father Mon- Martin Campagno, uh, were sent to journey to Mexico to help and assist the friars there. Well, Mexico had a giant revolution, the Cristeros Wars. It was a pretty decent movie that came out about eight years ago for greater glory that kind of gives you a, a snapshot of that. Uh, many people may not be aware of that uh, historical moment. But in that moment, basically all foreign priests were told, get out or that's it. So Father Alfredo actually stayed back in Mexico. He had actually uh, was ordained at the shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe. And he was, I guess, pretty good at passing himself off as a native. Father Martin, fled up to the United States of America and was in the refugee camps that were located on the border. And uh, so he came to this land. And at the moment, uh, in American history, the great immigration group that was really coming to the States in large numbers were Italians. A lot of them fleeing famine, especially in the southern parts of Italy. And so I would say that probably started around 1870, but it was still very much going on in the teens in the 1920s. And unfortunately, sometimes our culture forgets, even though we're really a country of immigrants, you know, the new immigrant seems to not always get treated the best. Uh, and in this case, uh, Italian Americans were often be taken advantage of, made fun of, not given jobs, all these types of situations. And so Martin, Father Martin saw this and said, you know, well, maybe I could minister, help them in this captivity of being in a foreign land that you know, does not always protect them or respect them, and to keep them from possibly being taken advantage of uh, by people that uh, are not always have their best interests in mind. So after an attempt to look in different places, the uh, Archbishop, Bishop of Cleveland, Archbishop Joseph Srems, 
extended the invitation for the, the mercenary friars to come to that diocese to begin working with, with the Italian immigrants. And uh, we did, we started in uh, St. Anthony's Parish in Youngstown and soon we're brought over to St. Rocco's in Cleveland. Uh, St. Rocco's in Mount Carmel, we're still at even to this very day to help these people build their parish to be protected and respected. I think we've done pretty well. As I've said often before, everybody seems to like spaghetti, pasta, and Frank Sinatra. <laughs> so, no problems, right? So the captivity of the Italian-American, now no one would ever think twice about, you know, uh, having them in positions of, of employment or, or politics or arts or anything. So the, again, the Mercedarians, uh, again, the, the, so again, 800 years plus. So the idea is, again, where anywhere that a Mercedarian finds him or herself, we do have sisters as well, is to realize what is the captivity that is here and what can we do to set them free from this, you know, accompanying them, journeying with them, being with them and helping them out of that situation. So it allows for a lot of different possibilities. Here in the U.S., uh, again, helping in parishes has been in, in keeping the faith alive and protected. Um, it's been a big part of it. So it allows for all kinds of things. Prison ministry, yes. Hospital chaplaincies, yes. Human trafficking, yes. Um, uh, addictions of different sorts, uh, pornography, um, you know, uh, people that have, um, you know, come into the unfortunate circumstance of a, of a divorce or separation, um, you know, again, people that are still human beings that need to be protected and respected, not ignored or, or put aside. And so the Mercedarian is always one who's not afraid to kind of, in a sense, run into the fire, you know, and that's when we're being our best, when we run to the fire, run to the captive in order to set them free. And uh, sometimes it can mean we're controversial, right? You could say in the old days, oh, you're giving money to the Muslims. That's, that's, you're giving money to the enemy. Okay, well, maybe, maybe, maybe not, but what are we doing here? What's it ultimately about? Is everything about money or is it about that soul? Saving that soul, right? So in the same way today, you know, again, following in the, in the footsteps of our Lord and, and supported and protected by Our Lady and all of our many great saints that we have had across the ages, both those canonized and recognized by the church and those uh, that uh, we just, we know from our tradition, um, we continue doing that great work to this day and are looking forward to doing it for as long as our Lord would have us do it. I appreciate that. And I know that everyone watching and listening to the history of the Mercedarian religious order is just grateful to you and also all the Mercedarians. Um, Father, I would also ask you, maybe you can tell people who are watching where the Mercedarians are located in the United States. And I also want to mention one more thing is please check out their website at orderofmercy.org because you want to learn more about the Mercedarians. So Father, maybe you can tell them where you're located. Yes. So, of course, our first foundation was in Cleveland, Ohio, and we still are in Cleveland, Ohio today. Yeah. Uh, our friars are in two parishes, and we do have our sisters, the Mercedarian Sisters of the Blessed Sacrament, actually, uh, at the uh, convent and school right across the parking lot at Our Lady of Mount Carmel on the west side of Cleveland, Detroit Avenue, and then St. Rocco's, which is about, about a 10 or 15 minute drive from here really kind of our mother church for the order uh, on Fulton Road. And then in the 1940s, we were invited by the Bishop of Buffalo, New York to come 
out there. So we did make that move to uh, the Diocese of Buffalo, uh, staying in a small little town called Leroy. Not Leroy, it's Leroy. <laughs> Leroy, Leroy, Leroy. To Ooh. our Leroy friends, hello. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's a blessing, beautiful little town. Actually physically closer to Rochester, New York than downtown Buffalo, but still within that area. And uh, so we've been there many years. Uh, and oddly enough, as it would, there was an Italian population there. So we were able to assist them. And uh, now we continue to uh, assist the peoples there at Our Lady of Mercy. Uh, parish in Leroy, New York, and St. Bridget's in Bergen, New York. And then uh, in the late 70s, there was another possibility for us to make a movement into Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And so Archbishop uh, Kroll invited us to come out to Philadelphia, and we began uh, to set up a formation house. So most all of our men here in the United States studied at St. Charles Borromeo Seminary, there in over uh, in uh, uh, on Winwood, and uh, we then also later. Ooh, now it's been how long has it been now? Two thousand four or five. Uh, began to minister at uh, Our Lady of Lords Parish in Overbrook Farms. Uh, very very beautiful neighborhood. Very historic, and right on the main line. You can't miss it, right? <laughs> so thankful. And then in the uh, mid 80s, there was an invitation extended for us to come down to Florida. And so, yes, we came down to St. Petersburg, Tampa, uh, that diocese there. We have a, a house there and we've been involved in uh, prison ministry there, involved with uh, assisting at nursing homes and uh, some of the local colleges and of course the parishes and the cathedral there. And then just uh, about a year ago, a little over a year ago, we were invited by the Bishop of the Diocese of St. Augustine to come up and to begin ministering there, primarily to minister to uh, the prisons. Mm -hmm. The Bishop there uh, was born and raised in Cuba. Mm -hmm. And so from Cuba, he knew the Mercedarians and he knew that we would often do right this work of freeing captives, including the prison work. So invited us to come there to minister primarily the main prison at Stark Correctional Facility, which is uh, a, a prison that has death row. So we are presently there ministering at that prison along with others in that area and a couple small parishes in Stark and McClenny. Uh, so very happy to be there. And that's where we're located here in the United States presently. Uh, we do have some sister communities in some different places, Third Order, uh, which is our lay or faithful Mercedarians. And that's, an, that's another aspect to just mention briefly also. You know, our order, Founder St. Peter in Alaska was not a priest or a cleric, okay? He was a brother, right? Mm -hmm. and, and so right even from the get-go in the beginning of this order, there's always been this involvement of, uh, yes, some consecrated brothers and sisters, but also lay faithful, you know, in the giving of their alms and their assistance have always been part and parcel of our work. They've always journeyed with us in this work, in this movement, and that goes on down to this present day. Uh, we are at our best when our brothers and sisters whether they are have, have taken vows of uh, the religious state or vows in matrimony or, or whatnot, um, uh, that is always when we are our fullest and best expression of our charism of redemption. I appreciate you sharing that with everyone. Quite a history. There's so much to learn. So once again, I invite people to go to orderofmercy.org and learn about 
the Mercedarians and their friends of mine. Uh, I will also mention that I'm the director of an outreach through the Mercedarians. It's called the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation. And this foundation, we help families in crisis. So uh, we'll talk more about that later. But our initial mission has been to help families that are affected by divorce. So if you know someone who is affected by divorce or separation, you can go on our website and look at nonatus.org and learn more about our mission. It's spelled N-O-N-N-A-T-U-S.org. And Father Ken Breen, hi, Father Ken. Mm -hmm. uh, he's our a spiritual moderator for the foundation. Now we do have to take a break in just um, about three or four minutes and we will come back. We're gonna learn about the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation. We're gonna learn about Our Lady of Mercy and St. Bridget's Parishes in Leroy, New York. The two priests that are there, Father Matthew Phelan and also Father Ken Breen are gonna tell us about some of the great work that they're doing up there in, in Western New York. Um, but I also want to inform all of you about something very special that's offered through Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. As I mentioned at the beginning of the program, it's called Patreon, and it's Discover Your Mission. All of us want to discover what is our mission. And this is really a special invitation to you and your family to join every single month to listen to awesome Catholic presenters. Um, and if you go to patreon.com slash patchworkheart, you can learn more about that. So I know that when we take this break, you're going to see a nice commercial that will explain that. So uh, we will see you in just maybe about three or four minutes after our commercial break. We'll see you in a few. Patchwork Heart Ministry and Fiat Ministry Network invite you to discover your mission a brand new in-depth monthly video series featuring engaging Catholic speakers who will challenge you to live your life abundantly. For only $25 a month, you will receive a personal monthly mission, including three full-length inspirational talks that build upon a new theme each month. Sign up for the Discover Your Mission tier at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry today. We'll go right to St. Bridget's and uh, Our Lady of Mercy and talk about how you all have dealt with the pandemic, with your masses, uh, streaming the masses, and uh, how you've made the great outreach that you have on um, online. But first, we'll go to the foundation. Well, the St. Raymond Anadis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith is an expression and an application from the Mercedarian Religious Order. And what we do is outreach to families in crisis. And our initial mission is to families and individuals affected by divorce and separation. We're doing special outreach right now online. What we're doing is we are uh, having these monthly online support groups for uh, you know, individuals who are affected by divorce and separation. The divorce group is on Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And then we have another group at the end of the month, the last Thursday of each month, and that's at eight o'clock at night, uh, Eastern Standard Time for adult children of divorce. The focus of those groups are prayer, reflection, sharing in a safe place, and also attended by a Mercedarian friar and myself and guided by the teachings of the church. 
Hello, welcome back to Journeys in Faith. My name is Anne DeSantis, and I'm so blessed to be here with the Mercedarian Friars and Father Daniel Bowen for the first half hour, explain the history of the Mercedarians uh, from their beginning and also even the history in the United States. So I, I thank Father Daniel Bowen. He's out there in Cleveland, Ohio, uh, for giving us that wonderful history about the Mercedarian religious order. So uh, right now, I thought we could spend a little bit of time talking about uh, a ministry that I'm actually involved with myself. It's called the St. Raymond Anatis Foundation for Freedom, Family, and Faith. It's uh, an outreach through the Mercedarians, and you can learn about us at knownatis.org. I had explained that before the commercial break. And what we do is we help families in crisis. And Father Daniel explained the fourth vow of the Mercedarians, which is the willingness to give our lives for those who are in danger of losing their faith. Sometimes people who are in danger of losing their faith are those who are affected by divorce and separation. So what we've been doing uh, since our founding in 2015 is doing these special support groups that help those families. And the spiritual moderator for the foundation, his name is Father Ken Breen. And he's with us this evening here on this uh, TV show. And I thought maybe, Father Ken, you could tell us a little bit about the work that you and I have been doing as a foundation uh, with these support groups and how we have helped the families affected by divorce. Sure. Uh, thanks very much, Anne. It's uh, really nice to be able to be here and talk about the, this work. As uh, Father Daniel was explaining so well in our history, uh, St. Peter Nolasco uh, saw this great need to uh, free the captives, uh, otherwise they may deny their faith, uh, or they give up their faith. And as you explained already, the uh, uh, captives that we encounter today are so many different forms, even as Father Dan expressed, there's so many different ways that they're, it's happening. But uh, we've discerned over the years, uh, uh, recognizing that in our uh, American society, uh, the faith is in danger in a particular way because of the, the lack of stability in the family life. And, and the, the most serious form, obviously, is where there's separation divorce. So uh, we discerned that, and also uh, St. Raymond Nonatus, the important thing to recognize about St. Raymond Nonatus is that he's the patron of Christian family life. Uh, even here in our parish, we, we pray regularly this prayer that was composed and it helps us recognize that, you know, uh, the way where the family goes, you know, the faith is, if it's a good family, then there'll be a good support for the faith. If there's not a, a good family life, then, you know, it threatens the, the integrity of faith. So uh, seeing this need to assist people who uh, are struggling, especially where there's a, a separation and divorce, uh, we've... Uh, did various things. Actually, the first uh, expressions that we tried to do were actually healing services in connection with the good work of uh, Rose Sweet. Uh, we collaborated with her experience of, you saw that one picture there, a group of us. That was like our first experience of, of being there for people during the year of mercy. And then uh, we did a, another one the following year. And now uh, we are extending that work through doing these online supports. So we're available uh, you know, the first Tuesday of the month, and uh, for those who are in the situation of separation and divorce, and 
we had a very, just recently, you know, we uh, were assisting and being present to and accompanying someone who's right in the midst of that, in the midst of separation. And it's a, it's, you know, it's a terribly painful experience. So by being present to them, we are present like we were in the very beginning when there were the captives, they were in the dungeon. So we would go there, we would be present to them and accompany them in the hopes of together being set free. So this is the, the, the fundamental aspect we're trying to uh, be there for. And also, uh, 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 as you uh, could probably express, uh, Anne, better than any, you know, that your own personal experience too is being a child uh, uh, that has experienced divorce and how that affects you. And uh, there's that work uh, out there, it's called Primal Loss. If you ever have a chance to read that, you can read and see how, you know, how when uh, there's divorce in the family, how it affects the children so traumatically. So all these are ways in which uh, we are uh, trying to express as we first encountered uh, the call to be mercedarians here in the United States was for those uh, who are uh, immigrants, you know, the Italian immigrants who were at risk of giving up their faith. They, uh, I'm from Cleveland. I grew up there. And, you know, we'd hear the stories like the, when the Italians were there and if they wanted to go to church at the, the church that was, you know, run by the Irish or by the Germans, they said, get out of here, you know. So they would be at risk of giving up their faith. So uh, this is why uh, we were called to be there in Cleveland. Now uh, that everyone's enjoying pasta, we need to see how we can assist, you know, in another way. So, uh, you know, this is uh, how the Spirit is leading us, you know, to really be a ministry to, you know, very seriously. And, and this can expand, you know, by God's grace and in different aspects, as, as Father Dan mentioned. And I want to just mention, too, that he's also our location director. So, you know, our, I, I, from the beginning, I can say, honestly, what uh, drew me to our order was that simple saying, no greater love. There's no greater love than to give your life uh, for, to, you know, out of, as Christ gave his life for us. So I know that from the beginning, that is what, uh, that's why I'm a mercedarian today. And, uh, and we want to encourage young people. You know, we're looking for love. The greatest love is to give your life, you know, and we want to, you know, encourage people who are watching this to consider that. Uh, ultimately, we know that the vocation Christ is giving us is uh, what he himself showed, the greatest love in giving his own life. And that authentic human love is in, in giving of ourselves, giving ourselves to God and one another in authentic uh, Christian charity and growth and virtue. So, uh, and uh, just a final note about St. Raymond Nonatus, uh, his name, Nonatus, is not born. So uh, we not, and because he uh, was in, had a miraculous birth, his mother was uh, dying, and I believe she died. Mm -hmm. And that, so there was a count there who, uh, I think it was a Muslim count, mm -hmm. no? And, and this, this count uh, knew that it's possible to see if the child was there. So he was able to do, you know, at that time, we call it today a cesarean section. So he was able to give birth to uh, St. Raymond. And, and he also was a redeemer. And he experienced, uh, you know, when he would proclaim about Christ and, and many uh, of the Muslims were interested, 
well, you know, the one, the slave masters, the cap, the ones who are, uh, you know, running the business, they didn't take too kindly to the, the uh, Raymond Monadas uh, bringing them to faith. So uh, what they do, they locked his lips. So even today, you know, uh, trying to live our faith or a good family trying to live our faith or, you know, a good father, you know, he's in the workplace and he wants to live his faith. Sometimes it can be quite a challenge today. You, you, you have to sign a kind of like travel, a, you know, a political platform or whatever, you know, and, and be careful. But, uh, you know, we need to also still be, be courageous in, in the midst of uh, uh, the situations we're facing today. But at the same time, uh, we're here to ultimately accompany everyone, uh, and in particular, uh, those who are most risk of giving up their faith. And, and I, I had the opportunity in, in the prison ministry, and I very much, you know, that, that uh, I'm very happy that we can see an expression of that. And also their families, too, you know, that are uh, the families uh, of the inmates, you know, they're at risk, too, because, you know, their, uh, you know, father of the family, uh, if you did something wrong, okay, you know, that's uh, something that has to be dealt with, but it shouldn't make it so that the family gives up the faith. So we hope someday something can be developed there, uh, you know, in, in, the, in the long run too. And we have a lot of different ways, you know, we have the third order that is collaborating with us. And of course, uh, Anne, you're also a third order member and, and also Rose Sweet is. So we have this collaboration too. And that's very important, as Dan mentioned, that uh, not only uh, Peter Nolasco is a brother, but, you know, we had many brothers and many lay uh, that have been collaborating with us all through these years to bring assistance to captives. Thank you so much for sharing about both your, uh, the religious order and also the St. Raymond Anonis Foundation and also all that you just shared with us about accompaniment and what the Mercedarians have done to do that. So I'm so grateful to you. And I know people who are watching, I just remind you again to please check out the website for the St. Raymond Onatus Foundation at nonatus.org. Now, Father Matthew, I thought on the topic of accompaniment, we're in the middle of this pandemic where your church, particularly St. Bridget's and uh, of course, Our Lady of Mercy in Leroy, New York, has done such a great job of streaming those masses every single day with daily mass and also, uh, of course, several masses on Sunday. I wondered because you're such a uh, an expert, I'll say, at uh, at, at doing this. Um, what has that experience been like? Because I I do think that your church in particular has done such a great job with with making outreach to your parishioners yeah. and the those in the community. Before I get to that, I'm just going to take one minute just to tie in something from the history and then Father Kerr with the St. Raymond Foundation. Yeah. Because here in Leroy, St. Raymond was well known because uh, originally the house that we had here was, was the first house was called St. Raymond Seminary. And then it became the novitiate. Yeah. So the, uh, the novitiate for years when it was in Leroy was under the patronage of St. Raymond Onatus. And there was a great devotion promoted here in the village. And it wasn't until 1999 that the Mercedarians then began um, parish ministry here in the village. At that time, there were um, two parishes in the village of Leroy, St. Joseph's and St. Peter's, 
And then about, about five miles down the road, there was St. Anthony's and a little up, um, uh, bird called Lime Rock. So you, we had the, those, so the first mercenary pastor was at the pastor of St. Peter's, Father Michael Rock became the pastor in 1999 of St. Peter's and then St. Anthony's in Lime Rock. But then there was another church just across the street and maybe about 200 yards down, St. Joseph's. Um, and then um, those parishes uh, eventually were merged and, and Father Michael um, Rock was the pastor when they were all, when St. Joseph's, St. Anthony's and St. Peter's were merged into, and then given a new name called Our Lady of Mercy. And then they were later on partnered with St. Bridget, which is 12 miles um, up the road on, on Highway, on New York Highway at 19, um, in, in, uh, just off of 19 in, in Virgin, New York. And so it's a partnered parish. We have one staff, um, but two distinct parishes. Um, you know, and I think in, uh, after Father Michael Rocky and Father Michael Donovan, both my predecessors just did a wonderful job here of, of really preserving the faith and, and, and you know, and um, in, in, in teaching and everything. But, uh, you know, as Father Ken and I came here in, in 2018, we also saw, you know, there, there's a need now to begin to adapt for the future because the way people um, communicate is changing rapidly and has changed. The way people give is changing and changing rapidly. And so we were already beginning to look at ways to kind of transition quickly into this, into this period of history. Uh, little did we know it would be sprung upon us so quickly with getting locked down um, and the stay at home and everything. So, you know, fortunately we had some things in place and when, when we had to then get into streaming the masses and everything, you know, I, we quickly had to decide, and you know, I, I have two pastoral councils, one at St. Bridget and one here at Our Lady of Mercy. We had to have emergency meetings online and figure out, you know, how we would do this. And, um, you know, with the two parishes, we decided the best way to do it would be to, since we had the, the equipment that we needed, we had the cameras and everything, we would do streaming from the house chapel because that was a place that we could get the most stable stream and also, I, I was able to purchase a program so we could simultaneously stream on Facebook, but a lot of our people don't have Facebook and really don't like Facebook, so we had to do it on YouTube also. Now, we probably can reach about 70% of our parish that way, but there's still, you know, an older generation, about 30% that don't have access either way. So that's still a challenge of just traditionally phone calls and getting our parishioners to reach out. Um, you know, and that's a little bit more difficult, um, but we were able to transition. And again, we, what we, when we talked about it, we thought it was really important for us since all of the mass intentions that we had scheduled have to be said, we thought it would be best, let's try to preserve as best as possible the actual mass schedule that we do. So if the daily mass at Our Lady of Mercy is 7.30, we're doing mass and streaming it every day at 7.30. We have two masses at St. Bridget at 8 or at Tuesday, 3rd. We're going to do those masses at that time. Sunday masses will be all. So the only way with Sunday masses, um, we do have a 530 in the afternoon um, on Sunday when things are going well. That's the one mass that we don't live stream. We have one other um, di uh, retired diocesan priest who takes one of the intentions for us. So he celebrates that privately, but we announce that intention in the morning um, and encourage our people then to you know replay uh, you know, that mass in the morning where we do mention that intention. And 
Um, so that was, that's been kind of the challenge to try to keep life going at the times, the same times that they normally do. So to keep that rhythm. So when we come back, at least there'll be somewhat of that rhythm continuing. Um, and it was also the same bridge of prayer. The same bridge of prayer that we do at, done, uh, at, yeah, at all the masses. All the masses, we adapted that. Like, uh, you know, doing something together for both parents. That's correct, yes. I would encourage people who are watching, mm -hmm. you know, you wanna connect on Facebook and also on YouTube with Our Lady of Mercy and St. Bridget's Parishes. Now the N is the ampersand, so yeah. if you go on Facebook, it's Our Lady of Mercy. Yeah. So and the, the, the web, the web address is just Our Lady of Mercy Leroy. Leroy, as Father Daniel okay. pronounced it. But if you're thinking of spelling, just think Leroy, but it is Leroy. But Our Lady of Mercy Leroy.org. Um, that's the website. And then you'll see that. And you can see it on the screen. There's a link to the, uh, the Facebook and YouTube pages. At the top, there's that red question mark. And, and if you click on there, that's Father, that's my, my little COVID page, right? Whenever we, we haven't had any updates from the diocese in a while, but when they do come in, I paste those up there and you can scroll down and there's links. Uh, you know, if you're really bored and you want to binge, you know, binge watch, you can binge watch like all of our masses going back to, you know, in the Lent into the, uh, into the lockdown, uh, you know, but I, we do, we, yeah, there's, so we have all of those that are, that are linked. I mean, eventually we'll, you know, I'm sure we'll start to, you know, take those off of the YouTube, but they're all there right now. You got the links, and you can you can click on those, and you can watch. Uh, I guess uh, watch all of those. Um, you know, so it's uh, it's been interesting. Uh, we've done it pretty well. A couple of I I was heartbroken the other day on the feast day of our founder. I bumped one little button, uh, and my mass went out without audio. Mm. And as I joke with the parishioners, if we forget to turn on the microphone in the church, you just got to talk a little bit louder or send somebody back, you know, you forget to turn the microphone on online. Uh, there's nothing that, that we can do. I can't shout loud enough for them to hear mass eight miles up the road. So, you know, so. Well, I commend you, you both, and and every actually every, all the Mercedarians for doing such a great job with streaming these masses. We have Our Lady of Lords in Philadelphia. We have Our Lady of Mount Carmel and in, in Cleveland. We have Saint Rocco's mm -hmm. in Cleveland, and we have uh, the parishes down there uh, yeah. in Saint Petersburg, Florida. The you know, Father Michael Donovan, Father Michael Donovan down um, at Saint Edward's and Stark. He does. He's been doing a great. He does like a whole like reflection every day. Um, he's been doing that, and that's uh, really inspiring. Uh, and I mean, he's, he's yeah, really good with scripture, and just gives a beautiful meditation each day, uh, which has been wonderful. Also, I think he does that on Facebook. I don't know if is that what he, is it Father Daniel? I think Facebook that that Father Michael Donovan puts yeah. in reflections. Yeah, believes on Facebook, and then and then for you know, there's really a very unique opportunity that has been presented itself in that. Um, uh, we are often live streaming from our house of studies in Philadelphia. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Down the road from the parish at the at our the monastery of Our Lady of Mercy is often uh, giving actually some insight into our formation house. Something very rare, uh, mm -hmm. without you know you're going there to visit you know as a as a discerner. Uh, so you'll actually uh, have an opportunity to kind of often pray with our our, our three postulants, our one student brother, uh, and get a, a sense of that place as well. So. Uh, I think they're usually uh, live streaming those on our Facebook page, Mercedarian Friars USA. Uh, if you go there, you can look and see. And um, so it's it's really a, a great opportunity. Of course, I do want to uh, put a little plug in for vocations. 
you know, for at least for the friars. I mean, of course, we need all the vocations, third order, we need sisters, we need nuns, we need the, but particularly, uh, you know, I'm uh, uh, given the charge of promoting, encouraging, and supporting uh, young men that, you know, are aged 18 to 35. Uh, you know, if God is not been married, right, and or have some kind of a commitment in that way, um, but uh, you're thinking that God may be actually calling for you to serve in a particular way that's a little more intimate with the church and, and prayer. Uh, maybe God is calling you to consider being a Mercedarian friar. In our community, we have both, we have priests and we have the brothers. Um, of course, we are all equal in brothership in the sense of uh, taking the, the four vows. And again, of course, that fourth vow of willing to lay down our lives um, but it's a great opportunity. You know, we work in so many different areas and realms. So in education, our uh, prison ministry, the parish setting, um, just so many different possibilities out there. I'd really encourage men that are in that age group, 18 to 35, to, you know, maybe stop by our website, take a look and see. Uh, again, that's uh, orderofmercy.org. Uh, and uh, there's a vocation a tab that you can look there, there's some vocation stories. Or you might take a look at our YouTube page, Mercedarian Friars USA, where we've placed a number of, uh, of our friars. Actually, we have little videos, them giving their vocation story. Uh, we've also posted some videos of some of the friars that have actually uh, been part of our community, have gone on to our Lord. Uh, so you can get to hear some of their stories as well. Uh, a lot of content there. Try to you know, uh, have people get a sense of being able to meet us virtually um, since, uh, you know, we're only in a few places here in the States, mm -hmm. so uh, it can allow for a lot more interaction for folks to, to get a sense of who we are and, and hopefully, again, reach out to us. So again, men, I would encourage you, uh, if you've been thinking about a vocation of the priesthood or religious life, um, you know, maybe take a look at what uh, our community is about and feel free to, to contact me, Father Daniel Bowen. Contact information is all right there uh, at the website. Yeah, Dan, Father Daniel, thank you. Um, I, I'm glad that we got a chance to talk about vocations. I think it's so important. And I, I commend you in the wonderful work that you're doing because personally, I love the Mercedarian religious order and the Lord brought me to all of you. And I'm just so grateful because honestly, if it weren't for all of you uh, as wonderful spiritual directors and priests that I know personally, um, I really wouldn't be here on this wonderful uh, opportunity here on journeys in faith uh, on Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Radio. So as we're coming close to the end of the show, I wondered if the three of you would have any words of encouragement for those um, right now who are maybe struggling during this time. I mean, the, the, the specifically this time of, of, of uh, the, this challenge that we're having with the, uh, with the yes. pandemic, yeah, you know, um, you know, I, I, first of all, I would say that everything, God, you know, permits everything to happen for a reason. And so sometimes when we're in the midst of something, we don't know yet what that reason would be. And I think, Anne, you would know that in your own journey of faith, you know, that you've gone through places where you didn't know, you know, God, why are you permitting this? <laughs> and he permitted it to bring you here today and to bring us here today. And so... For all of us communally, God is permitting this for a reason, and God is going to bring something good and exciting out of it. Now, individually, there's, you know, 
so many different stories and cases and situations. Some situations, some people that, that are, are thriving in this and some people, it's, it's terrible. And I mean, I know people who, you know, probably, I don't know. I mean, I, to me, I would guess, and just from some of the people that I know, it's probably most difficult for those who live alone um, because we are social beings. We are made to be in communion with others. And so, um, you know, for those that um, maybe live alone, um, I heard somebody say at the beginning of this, let's not use the phrase social distancing. Let's use the phrase physical distancing because we can be socially close, but physically apart. And, you know, we're only a phone call away. We're only social media away. We can be together, even if we're physically apart. And so, you know, if... And and, uh, I want to add to that, that uh, some of the ways that we can be closer is through some, we've seen explosions like uh, Zoom. We're using <laughs> Zoom right now. And it's uh, it's funny how sometimes uh, for the catechism, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they transition to Zoom and, you know, some kids are watching Zoom and they're eating potato chips or whatever, you know. <laughs> so they, they wouldn't normally be doing that, you yeah, know, yeah. in the, the catechism class. But they might be more interested. So, I mean, as, as on the one hand, um, you know, uh, there's this challenge that we're facing it can be an opportunity if if people are uh, careful to look and dive into good content like mm-hmm. this one, you know, and and all the the positive con- forms. You know, we're constantly promoting forms, and uh, I'm sure you could tell that we're we're in the same house. You know, Dan's mm-hmm. in another, you know, in Cleveland, and and the two of us are are in the same house here. <laughs> but uh, um, the, the point that we're trying to make is that. Like we, one of the things that we did as a community together that we might not have done was that we were interested in seeing the, the program chosen. Mm-hmm. But you know, chosen, the, yeah. the chosen, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we usually watch other stuff, but all of a sudden, you know, we're watching together this life of Jesus that's being presented, you know, and, and it's really good. It's been deepening us spiritually too. So this is our opportunity to choose what's positive and uh, what's what's healthy. <laughs> And also been able to show show to my uh, parents or give them reference. You know, Vid Angel was uh, giving the opportunity to see in these days the ride and the dance. A beautiful video about nature and its biologist is a Christian explaining these uh, you know fantastic things about uh, our 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 world that God is making. So we enjoyed sharing that together. And my parents are in Cleveland, so you know this is something that we might not have done. You know, if it wasn't for this. Uh, situation. So, yeah, we we see the 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 pain that's there because uh, you know physically being distanced, but now it's also possible to have some uh, different ways of being connected socially, and we should take advantage of that. But uh, of course, there's the pro- problem of dangers there, you know, and and that's one thing we can't emphasize enough that. You know, parents and families, that's why we're so uh, invested in families, is that parents have to really step up in, in being good parents with their children and encouraging them to uh, access what is positive and upbuilding content. Because otherwise, 
you know, you just opening the floodgates to more disaster, and we don't want, you know, no, who wants that? We just, uh, uh, we're just happy to to be there to encourage what is positive and what is good. And you can see a lot of those references, you know, like form, for example, that's in our helpful resources on our webpage, you know. I mean, there's all kinds of helpful things that are there that uh, are designed. Uh, uh, protecting our minds, mm -hmm. I'm just going to mention that, you know, that's very important for parents to access that. Mm -hmm. It gives them confidence to, to work in these areas. Fiat ministry, Patrick Park ministry. You know, yeah, right. yeah. 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 Content, exactly, exactly. <laughs> now, I'm so sad. I, I say this when I end shows all the time, but it's always sad when we have to end. Mm -hmm. So not only will we do a part one for the Mercedarian Friars, we'll do a part two, part three, part four. So please come <laughs> back to Journeys in Faith with Anne DeSantis. I invite you to like uh, that page on Facebook. Uh, remember, it's Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis. And also, please subscribe to Fiat Ministry Network, Patchwork Heart Ministry. And like I said, I have that great invitation for all of you for Patreon. Discover your mission. And there's going to be a nice commercial right after this to learn more about that mission. Now, I also have an invitation for you. Uh, it's called Five Minutes in Faith. And you can learn about that at patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry, where the Mercedarian Friars and I will give you some keys in dealing with this pandemic right now. We're going to give you one or two ways to grow in your faith during this time. So please, uh, when you get a chance, I want you to go to patreon.com slash patchworkheartministry. And I have one more invitation for you, actually, well, I'll say two more, is to please subscribe to or check out the podcast for Sewing Hope Podcast with myself and my great co-host and friend, Bill Snyder. Now, Sewing is spelled S-E-W-I-N-G, Hope Podcast. We do a, a live podcast every Tuesday at 9 a.m., uh, Eastern time and 6 p.m. on Thursdays, Eastern time for one hour. We have awesome guests. So even if you know somebody who you think would be a great guest, you can email me at sewinghope at patchworkheartministry.org. Okay, so please do that. And you can subscribe to my own website uh, at andesantis.com. You can uh, join the website there and you also get notifications for this show for Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSanta. So we're going to meet every single Friday, 8.30 to 9.30 Eastern Time. Uh, I thank greatly Father Matthew, Father Ken, and Father Daniel for joining me on this show. And please, I would ask you all to come back again. Journeys of Faith is a production of Fiat Ministry Network and Patchwork Heart Ministry. For more information about Journeys of Faith, email info at fiatministrynetwork.tv. And be sure to friend, follow, and like us on social media. Just search Journeys in Faith with Ann DeSantis.